Hey guys, welcome back to another Talking Flicks podcast episode. Today, we are talking all about Hollywood. And to be more specific, what was the best decade in Hollywood? In other words, what was the best decade in cinema history? Now, before I get into the point of this episode, I do kindly ask you guys to go leave a review for the podcast, rate it out of five stars, because it really does help grow the show, grow my podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Talking Flicks, and that way you can send me direct messages and let me know what topics you want me to cover on the show, what movies you want me to review, and so on and so forth. So that really does go and help. So if you do like the show and you do want to support me, the kindest thing you can do is leave a review, five stars, four stars, one star. If you hated it, just leave a review. It really does go to help improve the show and help grow the show. So thank you. And without further ado, let's just get into the point of this episode, which is the best decade in cinema history. So before I get into talking about all the different decades, I do have to give some form of criteria as to what I'm holding the decades up against and what I would count as a good decade in film. So the first bit of criteria is how varied are the movies, how varied are the stories. By that, I mean, were there sports movies, criminal movies, rom-coms, like how many genres did that decade cover and how many genres were, I guess, leading at the forefront of the entertainment industry through that decade? Because if you were to talk about the 1940s, that's a great decade for film. However, it does predominantly make westerns and country movies. And because it wasn't very varied in the storytelling, I wouldn't call that decade the best in cinema history. It has to cover many different genres and many different types of storytelling. So that's the first bit of criteria I'm holding it up against. The second is how many timeless filmmakers were in that decade. How many filmmakers made movies that we still hold in such high regard? You know, which decade has the most of those filmmakers that still carry through to decades after and have their films hold weight and still be considered great classic films? How many were there of those filmmakers in that decade? Thirdly, how many great actors were there? That's an important one. You know, Hollywood is basically designed around the actor. They're not the main thing, I guess, making the movies. It's the director's medium. It's the writers creating the stories. But who's most famous and who, I guess, keeps Hollywood in the in the limelight, keeps Hollywood at its core famous and big and, and great? It's the actors. So how many great actors were there through that decade? And fourthly, how true were the stories? So this is the last bit of criteria. And in my opinion, The most important bit of criteria is how much do those films of the decade reflect society? Because art at the end of the day, storytelling at the end of the day should have a message and it should reflect society as we see it now. So that to me is what makes a great film and that to me is what you have to hold accountable a whole decade of cinema. Like how true were the stories and if they were the most true, that will probably be the best decade in cinema history, in my opinion. So that's the fourth bit of criteria. So to repeat, one is how varied is the storytelling. Two, how many timeless filmmakers were born, I guess, in that decade and started making movies in that decade. How many great actors were there? And finally, how true and how real were the stories? So without further ado, let's get into the first decade that I'm going to be covering. And that is the 1970s. Now, 
Before I even get into the other decades after this, I have to say this might just be my favorite decade already. I might have already made up my mind. Stay tuned until the end because my mind could change as I go through each decade. But to me, the 1970s was just the birth of such great filmmaking, such great stories, and it just might be my favorite decade. And let's start with the filmmakers here. The 1970s birthed possibly the most Hall of Fame filmmakers out of any decade in cinema history. I wrote a list here of just six filmmakers that rose to fame in the 1970s, that started making movies in the 70s and really took over the cinema industry. And the names are ridiculous and they hold such weight in today's society still. Like here, number one, Steven Spielberg. Two, Robert Altman. Three, Ridley Scott. Martin Scorsese. Stanley Kubrick. Francis Ford Coppola. These are just six names of directors who rose to prominence in the 1970s. And think of all those names. They're either still making movies today, which are still the best movies in the world, or the films that they did make in the 1970s still carry across to now. Those films are still held in such high regard as some of the best movies of all time. Someone like Steven Spielberg, when he made Jaws, that film made in the 70s still carries such weight today, is still seen as a great film today and arguably revolutionized the whole thriller genre. You know, and a lot of people still take aspects from Jaws and implement it in their movies today. So that's an insane example of how from the 70s, one director, Steven Spielberg, still carries across to today. Obviously, Martin Scorsese does and Francis Ford Coppola, he made possibly the greatest movie of all time in The Godfather in the 70s. So the 70s does hold a lot of weight when it comes to great filmmakers. And that's, you know, I just listed six there and that's not even all of them. There are so many more that I left out of that list, but it just had so many great filmmakers. No other generation birthed that many great filmmakers in one decade. I guess Some of the filmmakers from the 2010s still have yet to prove themselves over the next few decades, but there were just so many great filmmakers that came out in the 1970s and started making movies, and I just love that decade for that example. And a great thing about the 1970s was the way they didn't create perfect protagonists. Now, this is probably the thing I like the most about the stories they told in the 1970s is... They weren't perfect. Usually in the 50s, the 40s, the 60s, the protagonist, the main character that you were rooting for was the good guy and he was taking on the bad guy. But in the 1970s, they started to experiment and they started to think, okay, what if we were to take a really bad character and make him good at the end? Or what if we were to take a really good character and make him bad at the end? How bad, how rude, how disgusting, how perverted, how creepy can we make the main character and have the audience still like them it was a decade of experimentation with the protagonist and i think it worked i think it really paid off we got great films like taxi driver where he definitely was not a perfect character and he started off crazy he started off pretty bad and progressively got worse So it was like the opposite of the character arc that we're used to seeing where he went from bad to good or started off good and had to accomplish a mission. No, he started off bad and got worse, went more crazy, and it was a lot more introspective. It studied people a lot more. That's what I found about the 1970s, 
And through that experimentation, they were able to study the human psyche through their protagonists. And that was super important. It covered their mental journey a lot more than any other decade of film. The 60s and the 50s, which came before the 70s, you had these picture-perfect protagonists, these great people, these all-Americans, these white picket fence, middle-class, good people, and they were generally the protagonists. Or if you were to look at the 40s and you were to look at all the country western, the good guy was always just good throughout the whole thing. You know, he helped the women, he helped the families, he saw someone robbing a bank, robbing a saloon, he went in and he saved the day. He was always the good guy. But in the 70s, they started looking at these characters going, okay, are we all, are any of us all good? Probably not. So if we were to make a movie about people, about how society works and reflect society honestly, what would we do with our protagonists? They can't just be good the whole time. So they started experimenting and they came up with great characters. And arguably the greatest character of all time is Michael Corleone, in my opinion. And Michael Corleone, he starts off pretty good. He's from a mafia family. Of course, he's seen some things. He knows some things and he's hidden some things from the police and, and from detectives. But he starts off pretty good. But he progressively falls into that mafia life, ends up taking over the family uh, gang, the family mafia, the whole Corleone family in New York. And he becomes almost like a good guy, a good family man, but he's a ruthless gangster. You know, he's not a good guy in the grand scheme of things, but we still resonated with him and we still liked him for his family morals. And that's what they started to experiment with was, okay, maybe in society, this man is deemed bad. If you're a mafia boss, you're the head of one of the five families in New York, you're seen as a criminal, a crook, a bad guy through and through. But when we study the character, we see he's a family man. He cares about his children, his brothers, his sister-in-laws, his sister, you know, that stuff came through when they were able to toe the line of what's good, what's bad, you know, what are humans really like? And I thought the movies were very real for that aspect. Another thing here that I wrote down with the 70s, but I was just touching it on then, was they told honest stories with these characters. It wasn't about being perfect. You know, it wasn't about being bad or good. It was about being truthful. It was about being truthful and they weren't afraid to dive into the nuances of human behavior. Now that's so important because even movies nowadays don't do it to the same extent as the 70s did. They really dug into nuance. They really dove into what makes people tick, what makes relationships tick. Let's get into the nitty gritty here. Let's not just look at, okay, guy meets girl, woos girl, they get in a relationship. It's why do they get in the relationship? Why did he like her in the first place? They get into these little things. Is there an ulterior motive? They would ask these constant questions and experiment with their characters and the way that they would portray them and see if the audience would still like them. And I think it worked. You kind of like Robert De Niro's character in, ta in Taxi Driver. You kind of like Michael Corleone in The Godfather. I think it worked really, really well. And through that experimentation, they revolutionized cinema. And I think the 70s as a whole decade in cinema is definitely one of, if not the most important turning points in movie history where we started to analyze society, analyze human psyche and tell truthful stories and resonate with people in a more deeper way because we were reflecting people as they saw themselves. They knew they weren't perfect. They knew they could never be as good as John Wayne was in those country westerns. They knew they weren't as morally correct. They knew they weren't as disciplined. So they dove into that and they 
reflected society in an honest, truthful way and they weren't afraid to do so. And I think that was so important and that definitely changed movies forever in my opinion. Now, on top of this, let's look at how many great actors were birthed in the 70s. This is insane. So I already went over the great filmmakers that shot to prominence in the 1970s. Now let's look at the actors. Clint Eastwood, Al Pacino, Gene Wilder, Robert De Niro, Diane Keaton, and Carrie Fisher. That is insane. And like like I said before, that's not all the names I could have mentioned. There's James Kahn. There's so many more actors I could talk about here, but those are just six names that are still relevant today. Either they're still working, still seen as the greatest actors of today, or they're viewed as the greatest actors of all time. Now, it is insane how many great actors came out during the 70s. And in my opinion, the 70s was the peak of naturalism acting. Now, naturalism acting was born in the 50s through people like Marlon Brando and James Dean, and they started to go away from the whole performance aspect of acting, which was a lot more theater-esque, and that's how movies were up until that point. And they got into trying to be like a real person. The actors actually tried to feel the emotion and be raw and honest. And I feel like by the 70s, we reached the peak of naturalism acting because there was still a little bit of a performance aspect. They were still performing somewhat, but there was a lot of reality in their mindset. There was a lot of real emotions they were feeling in the moment, but they were able to girdle those real emotions to best deliver a performance and to best deliver a scene through performance, if that makes sense. If I wasn't too, uh, that might seem a bit confusing the way I worded that, but it's that they were performing, but through performance would shape the real emotions they were feeling. So they were able to conjure up these real emotions and be truthful on screen, but they still had a little bit of perspective that they were performing. And through having that perspective, they could still shape their performance in a good way. Now, I would argue that the 70s was the peak and that since then, there are still incredible actors. Some of the greatest actors that have ever lived, uh, you know, have been around in the last 10 years. But acting started to become so real and so about feeling the emotions that it felt a little more self-indulgent and it wasn't as pleasing to the audience because they still weren't shaping the performance the way that they would back in the 70s when they still had a little bit of that performance aspect, whereas acting now is all about zero performance aspect, don't even think you're in a movie, don't think you're on stage, but actually feel the emotions, and that can deliver great performances for sure, look at Daniel Day-Lewis, but I think having that little bit of performance aspect for the most part with most actors made them deliver better performances, so I think there were better performances all round from actors in the 70s than there were in any other decade of film, and that's just my opinion, don't hold me accountable to that, that's my opinion. And, uh, and I think it's just super important. And on top of that, to make a list of the best films in the 70s, this is a hard one, right? Because I'm trying to capture the wide variety and I'm trying to capture, you know, how varied the projects were. So I'll talk about four movies here from different genres. One is Rocky One. The first Rocky Balboa movie came out in the 70s, and this is for sure one of the greatest sports movies of all time. Secondly, I mentioned it before, Taxi Driver. This definitely reformed and revolutionized the character study film genre forever. And then The Godfather, arguably the best film that was ever made, arguably the greatest movie to this day. And fourth, 
Jaws, which revolutionized the thriller genre. So, so many great projects. They were so varied. And looking at that, it's hard to think that any other decade in cinema history can compete with how good the 70s were. But we're going to move on and we're going to move into the 80s now. And we're going to see how the 80s competes with the 70s. Now, in my opinion, before we get started with the 80s, 80s cinema was probably the worst decade in cinema history. This is just my opinion, so please don't attack me here. I know some people love this decade of cinema, and I don't blame you. I see why you can like it. However, I just don't. So this is my opinion. You're welcome to yours. I just don't think the 80s is very good. Now, of course, there were some gems in the 80s, but in comparison to its predecessor in the 70s and what was to come in the 90s, the 80s just was bland. It was just boring. There weren't as many good projects per year than there were in the 70s or the 90s or the early 2000s because what did you get? Four or five good movies from the 80s? Like, let's be real, four or five good movies? And that's not even a movie a year that's actually quality and stands over time. Whereas from the 70s, you could pick 30 great films. From the 90s, you could pick 50 great films. You know, there's heaps to choose from. In the 80s, there really weren't a lot of good movies. And you had the Rocky franchise take a turn for the worst with Rocky 3. And when a Bond movie is called Octopussy you know it's just not a good decade for cinema. You know what I mean? Like a James Bond movie is called Octopussy. You know it's not a good decade in cinema history. But to get started with why it's bad and why it's a bad decade in movie history, for me, it's the types of characters and stories that were written in the 80s. Coming off the back of truthful, dark, honest, raw stories from the 70s, the 80s was almost a decade of fake naivety and of romanticizing life and giving happy endings and soft finishes and soft touches. It wasn't about being real. Synths were in at the time. Not even music was about being real. It was about being, you know, crafted and happy and happy-go-lucky. And the 80s felt like one massive dopamine hit. You know what I mean? Even the movies in the 80s felt like just a huge dopamine hit. They were trying to make you feel as good as possible throughout the film. And while that's good for the entertaining aspect, for the actual cinematic art, I don't think that makes a good story. I don't think being trying to make someone happy makes a good story because where's the message in that and where's the truth in that? Life can be happy, but life can also be sad. Life can also be miserable. Life can be angry. They just didn't seem to cover as many of the emotions and the emotional truths of life as other decades had prior. That's my opinion. Don't hold me accountable. And I know many people will like the fact that the 80s was a happy, happy happy-go-lucky, happy-finishing decade. But for me, That does just annoy me. Now, no movies in the 80s were remotely realistic. They were lighthearted, romanticized versions of things, and they were self-censored in a way to make everyone feel okay about life and themselves. They didn't reflect any form of truth. They just gave people what they wanted to see and what they wanted to hear, as opposed to what stories and art is meant to do which is to give people perspective that they need or should hear rather than one they already know and want. You know what I mean? Like, when you watch the 70s, 
70s movies, I should say, the stories would give you a message for life, tell you something, give you a perspective you hadn't thought about. I talk about Michael Corleone before. For most people, they would have thought a mafia boss, they would have thought of them as a bad person. But through a different perspective in The Godfather, you go, oh, he's a family man, he's a good guy, he's not that bad. And that was a cool thing about storytelling, and that's what I really like about storytelling, is giving a different perspective, challenging my thoughts. When I go to watch a movie, if it challenges a thought I may have on something, that makes it a good movie to me, if that makes sense. Obviously, the acting needs to be good, the cinematography, the directing, but if it can challenge my thoughts and give me a perspective I hadn't thought about, that means they're doing their job as storytellers. That's what stories are meant to do. And 80s movies did not do that at all. Everything felt fabricated. It was there to make you feel good and It just didn't work for me. It doesn't work as good storytelling, in my opinion. Even the soundtracks and the music were fake. They were made to make you feel good. Synths were in, synthesizing, you know, everyone, it got your heartbeat up. You were happy to hear it. It was great. But at the end of it all, you feel down. It gives you a drop in energy because it gave you like this dopamine rush. That's how I view the 80s. 80s movies, 80s music is like you're drinking six cans of Coca-Cola. It's great while you're watching it, and then after you go, I kind of regret that. That wasn't that good. Coke is great while you drink it, but uh, afterward, it's not the greatest thing in the world. You're like, oh, why did I have that? It's like KFC. It's just a dopamine hit. That's what the 80s was to me. 80s movies, 80s music, 80s TV shows was just a huge dopamine hit and a dopamine rush, and I don't think that's what I like from stories. I'm sorry. I know many people will. You find it good to have some dopamine. You you get happy while you're watching it, but I challenge you to watch a few 80s movies. You'll probably like it while you watch them. The Lost Boys, Breakfast Club, and then after, you'll just go, what was that? You know what I mean? Even Top Gun. Top Gun 1. Top Gun Maverick, I loved, but Top Gun 1? That's not a good movie. Let's be real. That is not a good movie. While you watch it, you think it's awesome. Afterward, you realize it was utter garbage. And that's how I think of the 80s. I know I'm being mean here, but honestly, that's how I feel. Let's look at some of the movies that define the 80s, right? Some of the biggest movies of the 80s, the best films they had to produce. Karate Kid, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Top Gun, and Back to the Future. Now, these are good movies. That's why I picked them out, because they're the best films, in my opinion, the, that, that best, not the best movies per se, but the best films that capture what the 80s was about. Top Gun is pretty average. It's not that great. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a great film. It makes you happy watching it. It's a good movie. Uh, where's the message in it, though? You know, it's not reflecting any form of truth. Uh, any for- It's just romanticizing life, fantasizing a day off, and it's just very fantastical. It's very unreal, and like I said, just another dopamine rush movie. Karate Kid, now that's a good movie. I'll give Karate Kid uh, an 8 out of 10. I loved it, but once again, one, two, three, or four good movies out of a whole decade just doesn't cut it for me. And Karate Kid was one of the best films, definitely top three best movies that came out of the 80s, but it's not that good. Like, it's pretty good, but there just weren't enough good movies in the 80s. And Back to the Future, now, that's an all-time classic. I'm not going to shit on Back to the Future. I love that movie. I love it to death. 
But once again, there just weren't a lot of good movies in the 80s. And if that's the list, I mean, let's be real here, it doesn't compete with the other decades. I'm not saying that every movie in the 80s sucked. I'm not saying that filmmakers sucked in the 80s. What I am saying is when you compare the 80s to the 70s or the 90s or the early 2000s, the 80s just isn't as good. And that's the truth of it. Now, moving on to the 1990s. Now, the 80s, like I said, acted as a great reset for cinema. And following the 80s cinema, we got back to being real. The 80s was all about fake. The 80s was all about making people happy. Then in the 90s, we said, yeah, we're sick of that. We realized that wasn't good. We got over that dopamine hit. We hit rock bottom and we said, okay, let's bounce back with some real honest storytelling and we started working back towards the point we were at in the 70s where we weren't afraid to show dark gritty gore in the 90s we started working back to that now the 90s was also a decade where filmmakers were able to build off the back of one good thing that the 80s did which was create special effects the 80s really brought special effects to the forefront of cinema And it kind of took away from the movies that implemented special effects because they weren't that great. At the time, I'm sure people loved it, but looking back, I was not born in the 80s. Looking back, they just don't look as good and it takes away from the film, it subtracts from the film. But what they were able to do in the 90s was build off the back of those special effects and do them better. They created better special effects technology and they were able to implement that into film in a good way. It actually enhanced the story rather than just trying to look cool and ultimately taking away from the story and distracting you from the main point of the movie. The special effects they were able to implement in the 90s actually helped the movies, helped move the plot forward and made it a better viewing experience for the audience. Now, another note I put down in the 90s was CGI played a huge part in movies in the 90s. You had Star Wars The Phantom Menace, Titanic, and Terminator, which were three films that really laid the foundations for CGI moving forward to now obviously looking at Marvel, looking at all the big blockbusters we have nowadays. That wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for films like Star Wars, Titanic, These films, and Terminator especially, like James Cameron, is still at the forefront of CGI technology today. These films really laid the foundation, and I really love the fact that CGI became prominent in the towards the late 90s, but in the 90s nevertheless, and really, really drove cinema to a new level and made it much more enjoyable for the average man. Because a lot of people, they have a hard day at work, they're feeling down, they're feeling tired, they just want to be wowed by a story, they want to be taken to a new place and distracted from life for a bit. And when you have good CGI, you're able to distract someone and distort their reality because you're taking them to a place they've never seen before. They're seeing things on camera they don't understand. They don't understand how they're there, but it distracts them from the day-to-day life and makes for a better viewing experience and a much more entertaining experience, which at the heart of it is what movies have to do. You know, a good movie, it can give you something to think about, give a good message, but it has to entertain you at the end of the day. And through implementing CGI in the 90s, they were able to entertain people to a much bigger extent. And that is one thing I adore and love about 90s cinema. And the 90s felt like a new age of cinema where movies were able to convey ideas and stories better. You know what I mean? Like, through the new technology they built, through their ability to balance cinematography with writing, with good acting, with good stories, with truth, everything felt very balanced. The 90s felt like a decade where 
every filmmaker was at the top of their game. You know, they were hitting their prime. They were doing well. That's what the 90s feels like to me. And uh, it also was the start of digital technology, digital movies. Now, they didn't look as great as film at the time, but it did allow for better color grading. It did allow for better colors on screen, which definitely enhanced film. So that was another great thing that the 90s did, was start bringing in digital technology. And I love that. And uh, we also got new age directors in the 90s. This is probably the thing I liked the most about the 90s, to be honest, was that we got directors like Quentin Tarantino and Guy Ritchie who came in and started using music in a good way for their films. Whereas in the 80s, they would use pop culture music, real songs that were on the radio that you heard of. They weren't just designed by an orchestra for the movie like every other decade. In the 80s, they used actual songs playing on the radio. But it felt a little distracting. It felt a little cringy at times. But then in the 90s, you got people like Guy Ritchie and Quentin Tarantino who saw what they did in the 80s, learned from it, and were able to implement these classic songs that everyone knew and loved in a way that made the movies better, told the stories better, and made scenes better. This is something I love, and this is something I'd love to implement myself. It really resonates with me, is when they use a pop culture song in a way that enhances a scene, because so many filmmakers will say that you shouldn't put a song at the forefront. You know, the acting should come first, story should come first, and it's to almost be like you can't hear the music at all. You don't realize the music's just there to affect your emotion. But Tarantino and Guy Ritchie in the 90s said, nah, F that. We're putting music at the forefront. We love these songs. It makes the scenes better. And my God, did it do that. Like, look at pop, uh, Pulp Fiction. Look at Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. That, again, is another movie that implemented music at the forefront and just made a better viewing experience. And it was something we knew that we hadn't that we hadn't seen before. It was something that was very new to cinema. We hadn't seen movies implement pop culture songs in a way that progressed the scene, that made the movie better. It was definitely something that started in the 90s, and I absolutely loved that about 90s film. And moving on, let's just call the 90s the decade of the movie star. Because so many movie stars were born in the 90s. I made a list here. It might be a little too long because I got down to nine names and there were still so many more. I just had to cut myself short. But let's listen. Listen to how many great movie stars started off in the 90s. You had Matt Damon, Gary Oldman, Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Tom Hanks, and Kate Blanchett. These actors are still the most popular actors today. And they rose to fame in the 90s. They became superstars in the 90s. They're still the biggest actors today. That's insane. What the 90s was able to produce with movie stars was ridiculous. Tom Cruise really hit his stride in the 90s. He's an 80s star, I guess, because of Top Gun, but he really hit his stride. So many great actors were born in the 90s. The 90s was such a great decade for superstars, for movie stars, and that's where celebrity really came back into Hollywood, in my opinion. And... uh Also, one last thing I do have to talk about before we move on to the 2000s is that the 90s was the start of Pixar. When I think of Pixar, although they only had three movies that came out in the 90s, they're very much a 90s thing. You know, it started the 90s, it was born in the 90s, and the fact that Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2 were both made in the 90s was the birth of a new generation of cinema, of 3D animation, which 
just came to take over in the early 2000s, right? Everyone knows, you look at how big Pixar is now, that started in the 90s and people were really excited for those type of movies moving forward because it was so new. We hadn't seen anything like it. You looked at old cartoons, it was just flat, it was so far from real. But then you saw that and you're like, hang on, how are they making cartoons look like this? And I guess you were able to empathize with those stories more They didn't look real, but they looked more real. They looked more believable. And I think Pixar making Toy Story 1, making Toy Story 2 in the late 90s, just, you know, laid the foundation for what to come with cartoons, Pixar and Disney moving forward. And that's another great thing that the 90s birthed. So 90s are up there as as some of the greatest, as possibly the best decade. When I look at the 90s now and I compare it to what I was talking about in the 70s, it's neck and neck. I can't decide who's better now, but we're going to move forward and we're going to come back and see who the best decade was at the end of going through all the decades. So moving on, we have the 2000s. Now, once again, what a decade. I was negative about the 80s, but the 2000s is a great decade decade for movies and cinema. It birthed a new kind of movie, the superhero movie, you know? The superhero movie actually became cinema. Up until then, superhero movies were so average. They just weren't good. They felt just ridiculous and cheesy and corny. But through Spider-Man and through uh, the Dark Knight trilogy in the 2000s, Superman, uh, Superman, superhero movies became actual cinema, became enjoyable art house pictures that we could all actually enjoy and like. And it kind of was the first step into moving superhero films from a nerdy thing into pop culture, into something that everyone loved and could watch. Even your dad, even your mum, who never read any comics, didn't care. If they watched Dark Knight, it's so far from what a superhero movie was seen as up until that point. They would have loved the movie because it was a great story. It was real. It was honest. It was like, that's one of the greatest trilogies, one of the greatest movies ever made. And the fact that that was one of the early superhero movies laying the foundation, that along with Spider-Man, was just incredible. And the fact that the 2000s birthed that kind of movie, and you can see where superhero movies have gone in the last decade and this decade, but that was just incredible. And on top of that, my personal favorite for what the early 2000s brought was the cinema comedy by cinema comedy, I'm talking about Superbad, Borat, Step Brothers, and The Hangover. These movies definitely is what you think of when you think of the 2000s. When you think of the best movies in the 2000s and what you think of in those early, early days of the 2000s, it's the cinema comedy. Hangover, Superbad. It was a new form of movie. People hadn't seen things like that before. And these actors became global superstars big, huge celebrities through making these funny cinema comedies where there was no real stakes. The stakes weren't that high. You know, they weren't in a gang and the gang was going to get killed. The world's uh, fate wasn't at their fingertips, but it felt like the stakes were high. When you watch Superbad, you're like, man, I want these guys to get laid. I want them to get in that party, get their alcohol, and get these women. Like, it feels like the stakes are high, and I really like that about those movies, is it it made uh, very realistic moments in life feel like they were super high stakes. Because up until this point, movies were a heightened reality. And this was the first time that 
they showed real reality in an honest way that was just funny. And through humor, we're able to heighten the reality of life because no one's as funny as, as Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill and Superbad, but they made it feel real, feel like that's your life. You resonate with that. And that was something I loved about the early 2000s was they made these type of cinema comedy. And I really wish they brought them back because they seem to be sort of dead. You don't see as many of these type of films anymore, but they were incredible. And that's something I love about the early 2000s. You know, they were quite raunchy. Look at the 40-year-old virgin, but they were heartwarming. They were lighthearted. They were enjoyable. They were just a fun experience. They were just really fun to watch watch and uh, and great to resonate with if that makes sense and moving on in the early 2000s we had the birth of some incredible franchises you had Harry Potter you had Pirates of the Caribbean and don't forget the MCU started in 2000s it was 2009 I believe that Iron Man was made so that was made in the 2000s you had three of the biggest movie franchises ever. I believe Fast and the Furious also started in the 2000s. So you had four of the biggest movie franchises ever start in the 2000s. It was the birth of a new generation of filmmaking, a new generation of movies where they became corporatized but were still telling good stories. We would say nowadays they seem to be a little too corporatized to where it's hurting the stories. But back in the 2000s, no, the stories were spot on. The story of Harry Potter, the stories that you get in Pirates of the Caribbean, and the MCU especially is they were real, they were cinematic, they were movies, but there were also these big budget corporations and they would have these huge press tours going all across the world and buses flying all over doing huge press tours. Like it was really cool to see that merge um, together, you know? And that was something really interesting in the 2000s that you saw take shape was the whole idea of marketing was changing. They were doing much bigger promos, much bigger marketing um, in those 2000s. And that really started with Harry Potter. The way they marketed Harry Potter with huge tours of Tokyo, London, Sydney, Australia, LA, New York, doing these massive press conferences with these 14-year-old kids. Like, it's insane. But those franchises were so great, so incredible, and and they really captured you and gripped you for those 10 years that those Harry Potter movies were coming out or Pirates of the Caribbean is still kind of going in a way. It's sort of dead, but it's still kind of going. And that was another great thing of the 2000s. We were living in a moment of time where these great franchises were being born and we were still in the midst of it you know we long for those days to come back we want Harry Potter to come back but we ultimately know it won't be the same because we're not living through the Harry Potter era anymore we just wish we could go back it's that nostalgic feeling and we were living through that in the 2000s and I find 2000s cinema to be not the best decade of any of the decades but definitely the most fun the 2000s, if I can capture it with one word, would just be a fun decade for movies. They were good. They were making a lots of money. You had huge celebrities. It was just fun to watch. And filmmakers were making good movies. Like, they weren't bad. They weren't just fun. They were great films. It felt like everyone was at the top of their game. They were hitting their prime, hitting their stride. But it was just really enjoyable. Entertainment came first when it came from the 2000s. And, and I really, really loved that. So moving on to the final decade I'm going to be talking about. And that is the 2010s. And now 
We've just finished it, right? We're three years out from the 2010s decade, and I don't think any of us appreciate how good we had it through that decade. Going through it, we just thought, this is cinema, this is movies, this is going to carry on forever, but we didn't know how good that decade really was. When you think about it, and you look at, you know, so many great movies coming out, the MCU completely hitting its stride in the 2010s, taking over, it was so good. The 2010s was just such a great decade for movies, and we just didn't appreciate it enough. I know I didn't appreciate it. You know, I'm looking at the decade that we're in now, and the movies just are nowhere near the level that we had in the 2010s. You know, you had Quentin Tarantino really hit his stride with movies like Django, and and you had Baz Luhrmann make, um, make Great Gatsby, like... The movies that we were getting in the 2010s were so, so good. And the MCU had a perfect balance of both storytelling, acting, cinematography, and marketing. Nowadays, it feels like the MCU was just this corporatized thing, churning out shows and movies for money. But in the 2010s, they were telling stories. Look at what we had with the first Avengers movie, with Thor. Then we got into halfway through that decade, we met Tom Holland's Spider-Man, and his Spider-Man is probably the best of them all. We just had the peak of cinema through the 2010s on Honestly, we really did. Maybe they weren't overall the best movies that we've ever had of any decade, but we were at the peak cinematic expression. From how balanced everything was, you had the newest technology, the greatest CGI, the most money they could ever put into movies ever. You had huge movie stars. You had great cinematography, great writing when it came to these big franchises like the MCU. And then you had... Great uh, directors still at the top of the game. Martin Scorsese, like I said, Steven Spielberg, still making great movies. You had so many good films. We were at the peak of cinema through the 2010s, and nothing captures that more than how good 2019 was for movies. 2019 may be the best, definitely not the best, but... One of the best years in cinema history, for sure. Let's look at all the movies that came out in 2019. And and this goes to show why we didn't expect movies to drop in quality in this decade. But they definitely have. Because we were going so strong in 2019. And it was just the ultimate full stop to a great decade of movies. Like, let's look at these great movies that came out that year. You had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Little Women, Parasite, Jojo Rabbit, Us... Uncut Gems, The Irishman, 1917, Knives Out, and The Lighthouse. This year was mental. Uh, Not this year, but that year was mental. 2019 was an incredible year for movies. And it just plummeted from that point on. From 2020 to 2021, yes, COVID had a big impact, but the stories just got worse. But we didn't appreciate how good we honestly had it through the 2010s decade. It was so good. And one last thing to cap off that decade would be the rise of social media and YouTube and all these social media platforms is we developed almost a deeper connection with Hollywood in a way because we were seeing much more through social media of our favorite directors, our favorite actors, our favorite trailers on YouTube, our favorite movie reviewers on YouTube. Like we 
really hit like a peak of fandom and you could just immerse yourself in movie culture uh, through social media and through YouTube and we had it really, really good. We got so close and personal with movies and it really took over mainstream culture and I love that as a film fan that you could immerse yourself and spend 24 hours every day watching some form of movie content, whether that's your favorite actors on Instagram, YouTube, interviews with them on YouTube, or you're watching movie reviews, video essays, trailers, all sorts of great stuff through social media. It gave us so much great insight into Hollywood, into the movie industry, and I honestly look back on 2010 to 2020 really fondly and think that's definitely one of the greatest decades in cinema history for sure. But... We've come to that time of the episode where I have to choose who my favorite, uh, which my favorite decade is. And it's a tough choice because coming into it, I thought the 70s was going to take the cake. I thought that 1970 to 1980 was the best 10 years in cinema history. But looking back on it, how good the 90s were, the 2000s, 2010s, let's forget the 80s. (laughs) I, oh, this is tough. I think I'm going to have to go with the 1990s just because, just because so many great actors and great filmmakers from the 90s are still prominent today and we still rely on them quite heavily. You know, the 70s, the 80s and the 90s all had their individual superstars. They're the same, like different people would rise to prominence in that decade, whereas now I think so many great filmmakers and actors from the 90s are still being used very heavily 20 years on because they're just so good. I think the the artists of the 90s, maybe the movies weren't necessarily better than the 70s movies, but I think the artists that were born in the 90s are possibly the best when it came to cinema. So I'm going to have to go with the 90s. That's tough. I've never thought of the 90s as the best decade. But I'm going to choose them for this episode. And uh, let me know which one you chose. You know, uh, follow me on Instagram at Talking Flicks and send me a DM. What was your favorite decade in cinema history? What was your favorite year? What was your favorite decade? Who's your favorite filmmakers? Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Did you like the 80s? Did you hate the 80s? Let me know on my Instagram at Talking Flicks. I hope you guys like this episode. Something fun for you guys and give you guys some insight into how I think of movies and think of cinema. Once again, thanks for listening. And I'll I'll see you all on my next episode.